Welcome to the Solar Energy International podcast series. I'm Chris Turret, Director of Marketing and Communications here at SCI. And today we've got a great episode. We got a chance to sit down with a couple uh, industry insiders who are also our curriculum developers and instructors to talk about some new course development that we've got going on. So this is a great episode. We get a chance to dive into these details. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. My, my name is Sarah Wilder. I am the Director of Curriculum Development and Instruction here at SEI. Sarah, you you actually have a really unique background coming from industry and then you know, we've been working with you for a long time here at SEI and now you have had the opportunity to uh, work with us full time and maybe just tell us a little bit about that trajectory to how you got here today. Sure. Yeah, I started um, I started out as a solar installer in 2003. I spent about 10 years on the roof installing all sorts of PV systems and thermal systems and solar pool heating systems and uh, eventually took what I knew and, and worked with a coworker and we started a, an installation company um, that we ran for many years, still going today. Um, but after that, I took a break from solar, went back to, to grad school to learn about energy management. And after I came back, I started working as the technical training and technical support manager over at Solar World, which was a PV module manufacturer based out of Oregon. Uh, spent a few years there uh, before coming over to SEI full-time, but I think what's what's really awesome about being with SEI is just that that's SEI is really how I learned <laughs> anything about solar. Um, I went through an apprenticeship program in Oregon, and um, I had to have education for that apprenticeship program, and I found SEI, and it was just really like, it was my guiding light is how I learned all the technical stuff and um, became knowledgeable about the industry. So it's pretty neat to be working uh, with SEI full-time at this point in my career. So, and then also today we have Rebecca Wren with us today, a longtime SCI team member and a solar industry professional insider. And Rebecca, maybe just give us a quick um, your role and your experience in the industry. Sure. So I have been teaching for SCI since 2007. And since 2011, I've been part of the curriculum development team here. And I got my start in the solar industry really because I wanted to live off-grid uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s, and I built my own house, and I wanted my own off-grid PV system. But I really enjoyed the process of learning about solar and decided it's what I wanted to do for a career. And so I took some classes at SEI, and I got connected with a an electrician, licensed electrical contractor in North Carolina, started working for a solar installation company in North Carolina, doing a lot of residential installations got my electrical contractor's license about 11 years ago in North Carolina. And about 10 years ago, I decided I wanted to work on larger scale systems and went to work for a large scale project developer working on systems in the range of one to 20 megawatts, which were all in North Carolina, which is a big state for large scale PV. Uh, it's been a really interesting learning curve and there's a lot of really big systems that have been installed and commissioned here in North Carolina, so that's been a lot of fun. And more recently, I've been transitioning away from large-scale solar, uh, and I've been working on more battery-based systems, 
I should say some of them are large scale, big ground mounted systems, but also smaller systems as we get a lot more cool new energy storage equipment on the market. That's been a fun transition. It's what I did when I was first in the solar industry a long time ago. I worked on really small battery-based systems. So it's been fun to see battery-based systems come back around again on a much larger scale. And uh, Rebecca, maybe could you tell us a little bit also the role and the selection of your role to with the NEC panel that you sit upon? If you could maybe talk about that real quick too. Sure. So about Three code cycles ago, I think it was 2011 code, I joined something called the PV Industry Forum, which is a working group of people in the solar industry who want to uh, affect the National Electrical Code. And so through that process, I got to know a lot of the people who are really heavily involved in the code-making process with NFPA. And... Uh, about a year ago, I was elected to be a representative for SEI on code making panel four, which is responsible for all of the renewables articles in the code, including 690, which is PV, 705, which is interconnected systems, 691, which is large scale PV systems. And the code cycle that we're working on now is the 2020 code cycle. And so I've seen that pretty much from start to finish, go through the process at NFPA from public comments and submissions all the way through to just a few weeks ago, we did our final ballot vote on the 2020 second draft. So the code 2020 code is pretty much done now. It's going to have to go through a bit of editing and correlating at NFPA, but it is pretty much finished. So that was an exciting process to get to see from start to finish. So, And I'm really glad to be able to represent SEI on the code panel because I can get a lot of feedback from instructors and from employees of SEI, you know, what they've been seeing out in the field that they think needs to be changed and updated in the code process. SEI has always taken pride in both our training and our curriculum development and who we are as an organization. It really does start with the fact that we have people that are in the field doing the work that they, that we teach and have people that are actively working in the solar industry. How does that create a more authentic, accurate training environment for our students, knowing that we have so many people on our team that are actually doing what we teach. Yeah, so that's a, it's an interesting process, I think, because the solar industry is so fast-paced and it's changed and it's grown so quickly over the past couple of decades that if you're just an academic and you're just teaching, then you really quickly lose sight of the challenges that people are facing out in the field and also the equipment that's being used out in the field. We were just talking about Solar World, a great old module manufacturer that's been around forever and is no longer around, and that's you know pretty typical of what happens in the solar industry. Companies come and go and equipment changes, and to keep up with it is really difficult. And so I don't know how you could be a good instructor or curriculum developer if you don't have sort of one foot in the field and one foot in the office. And so that's always been important to SEI that anyone who's working on curriculum really keeps an eye on what's going on out in the field. And we have a feedback loop either from work that we continue to do ourselves, working on projects through SEI-E, our SEI Professional Services, 
or working on things in our own community and also making sure that we keep in touch with all of the instructors that SEI has. We've got an internal um, mailing listserv where we can ask questions and get feedback and find out what people are doing and what kind of problems they're having. And so it's a great feedback loop. We have instructor training once a year where we bring everybody together and get to talk about what's going on. But it's just, I, I don't know how else you could teach people in an industry that moves this quickly if you didn't stay involved in what's going on in the real world. So I think that's really important for everybody on the curriculum team to try and keep up with, whether it's designing systems or installing systems still, or we go to a lot of webinars, we have a lot of continuing education, we talk to people in the industry, we go to a lot of conferences. There's a lot of ways you can stay involved without just installing systems. And so we try and do all of those things. I'll just add that, you know, staying updated is is really no small task. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, like as Rebecca mentioned, the industry is is changing and it's moving pretty quickly. There's new technologies, there's new code cycles. And really for for everyone on the on the curriculum team, we do have to put a significant amount of time into staying updated. We can't just be you know, sitting at our computers working on curriculum, um, we're doing that. But we're also, as Rebecca mentioned, we're we're doing webinars. You know, I've I'm I'm about to install a PV system on my house. You know, I haven't been on the roof for six months, so um, so that'll be a fun kind of exercise. But it's really, you know, it's really just about staying involved, keeping connected with people in your community and projects that are going on. Um, so it, it is definitely something that that the curriculum team values and we know it's important and everybody is given the time they need to do that. Um, and I think that's what, what makes the curriculum good. So let's, let's bring that back to a very specific uh, course that you all have been working on very diligently recently. And it's a very important course that's in our series of training that we offer. And that's the PV303 Advanced PV Multimode and Microgrid Design Battery-Based course. So maybe first off, before we dive into the, the, the changes and the updates that you're, that you're making to this course, uh, maybe paint the picture for us. You know, why did SEI develop that course in the first place? And why is it important for the industry since storage and battery-based technologies is such a growing aspect to our industry? Yeah, I can I can feel that question in it. You know, it's actually a pretty long story, so I, I shouldn't tell the whole story. But maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I see I really struggled with how to address the fact that most PV system installations did not have batteries. Whereas, you know, prior to maybe 15 years ago, almost every PV system had batteries and the industry totally shifted away from batteries. And so we had to shift our curriculum to follow the industry. And, you know, when we did that, we separated out our battery-based curriculum from curriculum that is not focused on batteries. And when we did that, what we found was that the battery-based curriculum, it's really intensive and battery-based systems are more complex to design than systems without batteries. And so the course we had one course that tried to cover everything about battery-based systems, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it was just too much information to teach in a week or in a six-week online class. And so we decided to separate it out into different categories. And so now we've got a, a Fundamentals of Battery-Based Systems class, which is 203, which is an introduction to 
everything you need to know about battery systems, equipment and components and terminology, but it doesn't really get into system design. And we know we knew that we wanted a system design course because designing battery-based systems is really a complicated task. But there's two types of battery-based systems that we see in the field. One is a system that's connected to the utility grid, and the other is a system that is totally off-grid, standalone. And they're really very different in how they're designed, you know, what the functionality is, what the goals are of the system. And we decided that we really, to give both of them their due, we had to split the design courses out into battery-based systems that are tied to the grid and battery-based systems that are off-grid. So it might sound a little extreme, you know, that we kept splitting our courses up into smaller and smaller pieces, but there's really so much to talk about that I think it's the right approach. And so 303 is the battery class that's focused on advanced design for battery-based systems that are going to be utility interactive. So it's a very particular type of system, but it also is the type of system I think that this niche in the market is the fastest growing niche in the PV market right now, which is solar plus storage. And so we're starting to see um, state incentives and federal incentives and a lot of growth in the equipment that's available for these systems. And this course uh, first launched probably, I think, four years ago at SEI. We launched the first version of PV303. But as we've said a couple of times now, the equipment changes so quickly and the industry changes so quickly that we really had to give it a total overhaul and bring it up to date with the type of new battery technology and new equipment that people see on the market. So PV303, the title is Advanced PV Multimode and Microgrid Design for Battery-Based Systems. And we know that microgrid is a little bit of a buzzword right now, and it's a hard thing to pin down. And if you ask five people, what a microgrid is, you're going to get five different answers. And those answers could vary pretty widely. And what we mean in this class is a microgrid. We're talking about systems that are utility interactive. So we're not talking about island and microgrids. We are talking about systems with energy storage that can be isolated from the utility grid with what is called a microgrid interconnect device. And so in the class, we talk about different uh, topologies for systems where the microgrid interconnect device is going to live, how it's going to be utilized. And when you have that microgrid interconnect device, what part of the system is going to be isolated from the grid and can operate independently or can operate as a utility interactive system. And so talking through some of the rules and requirements in the National Electrical Code for those systems that have been added just in the past code cycle, I think will give you a good background on how to recognize microgrids and how to design with that capability in mind. And then Rebecca, you know, you're talking about microgrids and like their ability to island from the grid, like what is key about the term that's different than like just a PV system with battery backup? Yeah, I think that's where it gets tricky because there isn't, you know, the, there really isn't one. And I think that in the future, we will start to call a lot smaller systems microgrids. Um, you know, there are a lot of definitions of microgrids will include 
like several power sources, which isn't a big hurdle to overcome, honestly. And so there isn't, I don't think there's any definition of microgrid in which you couldn't call just a typical multi-mode battery backup system a microgrid. I mean, really, it fits the definition right now, which is what makes it a little tricky. Um, I think it's what, it's not necessarily what people are thinking about in their heads when you talk about microgrids, but when it comes down to it, I mean, what makes it a microgrid is really this interconnection device that lets you isolate loads and sources from the utility grid like no matter how small they are they don't ha there's no magical size at which those sources and loads and energy storage become a microgrid and that's why it's it's a hard thing to pin down the definition of so I'm maybe getting into some really technical stuff what would be some of the differences that we see in the version that we're that we're having now versus maybe just like a year or two or three years ago like what are those new technologies that we're going to see in this course so the so the updates that we're making to the course, I think, are really related to three things. Um, one is new battery chemistries. The second is new inverter types. And the third is new functionalities. And all of those things have changed in the past three years. So when we first designed this course, every design example used lead-acid batteries. There weren't really any lithium batteries on the market that we trusted, even enough to use in a design example in the class. You know, they hadn't been vetted. We didn't know how they were going to operate with off-the-shelf equipment. It was just We just really weren't comfortable showcasing that technology in our course even three years ago. So, of course, that's changed a lot. And now most of our design examples are going to be using lithium batteries. We still have a few lead-acid batteries in the class, uh, but we're definitely way more heavily focused on lithium batteries. So that's the battery part of it. The inverter part of it is that we've seen a lot of growth in the inverters on the market that can do this type of grid-tied multi-mode system. You know, there used to be three inverters that could do this, and now there's probably a dozen from different companies and they have different functionalities and they're packaged differently. They might be packaged as an energy storage system and there's special listings that go along with that. And so we talk a lot about you know, how the equipment's going to be packaged together, the inverter and the batteries and how they can communicate together. And then the third part of that is the functionality of the system. And so three years ago, the only thing people did with these systems was battery backup. So you had batteries, if the power went out, you'd have power when the grid was down. And now the functionalities are a lot more complicated in that we might want to be able to use the power in our, the energy in our batteries to, for a particular time of day when we've got a high uh, cost per kilowatt hour, we might be able to reduce our electric bill through peak load shaving. We might be able to affect something like demand charges to be able to reduce the power draw at a given time in the house. There's a lot of advanced functionalities that we see incorporated into the systems now that really weren't there even just a few years ago. Yeah, so so PD303, so SEI has um, these certificate programs, um, one of them being the residential and commercial PV systems certificate, uh, which is a very popular certificate program for students and also the battery-based uh, PV systems certificate. And we actually made the decision to put 303 
uh, in both of those, not just for people who are interested in the in the battery-based stuff, but really because these systems have just gained uh, so much popularity, they're becoming more cost-effective, and, and we really see this as kind of the future of the industry. Um, we think it's important for students, you know, regardless of what you want to focus on, it's, it's really essential to know how these systems work. You know, you, you probably can't get away from it at this point. You're gonna, you know, if you're selling PV systems, you're very, very likely to get customers that ask you about batteries, or they've they've heard something, you know, on the news about energy storage, or they're interested in, you know, some of these advanced functionalities. So, we really do believe that this is kind of becoming a core PV curriculum at this point. So we had talked about this a little bit earlier, but your experiences that you're having right now working in the field with SEI professional services, working on some projects that are focusing on uh, peak load shaving. How are you bringing those experiences like in real world application and not just the academics of it? And then bringing that back into the curriculum cycle to make sure what we teach is kind of what really happens in the real world. Like how are your experiences helping you with that? So the, the team that's working on this curriculum all has real-world experience with designing battery-based systems. And one of the things that means is that we've spent a lot of time reading installation manuals, looking at warranties, and figuring out exactly how equipment can be packaged together safely and effectively. And so when we choose a system to do a design example with in our class, it's going to be something that we've vetted and we know is going to work. And I can't say that about all the equipment on the market right now. There's a lot of new equipment that the installation manual isn't really thoroughly written. You're not going to have all the information you need to design the system. The manufacturer may not have thought about all the ways it could really be used and how to control that system. And one thing we've learned about battery-based systems is that the communication and controls, especially when you're doing something a little more complicated than just battery backup is really important. So being able to make sure that we don't overcharge the batteries, that the inverter and the batteries are communicating, that there are um, there's monitoring of the loads if we're going to be doing some kind of load shedding to make sure that all those things work together. You know, when you actually have to build a system for a customer and vet it and make sure that it really works, that allows us to choose examples for our designs that we know aren't just theoretical, they're really practical. And we'll talk about some of the issues that arise when you don't, when you've got new equipment or you don't have compatible equipment and things that can go awry in the design process if you don't think very carefully about how to integrate all those components together. One of the updates that we have done for PV303, as well as updating the equipment and the functionalities is that previously the course was really focused on very narrowly on residential applications. And so we've broadened that out to commercial applications and we have a commercial design example in the course now. And we also have a lesson on large scale design considerations. And so you'll hear a lot of talk in the battery industry about systems that are connected behind the meter or ahead of the meter and what the functionalities of those systems are and what different topologies are for the system designs. And so we are addressing that now in the course. We've added a lot of information about larger scale 
functionality and design considerations. When somebody comes to SEI to invest their own hard-earned money in professional development through paying tuition with SEI, the return on that investment that, that hopefully that person is expecting is going to be at least, if not many-fold, of the cost of the tuition that they're paying to take this class. So I'm guessing that if somebody were in business right now and they were going out and they were deploying these systems and potentially not really understanding how these battery-based systems are, are being deployed into the real world and all the problems that could go along with them if done incorrectly or cho- choosing the wrong components. In, in the terms of dollars, what kind of problems could business owners and solar professionals be running into when these systems aren't correctly put into place as far as financial ramifications? Yeah, I think it could be pretty extreme. You know, I've heard stories of very large lithium battery banks only lasting a few weeks because the charging algorithms weren't set up correctly with the equipment. And, you know, I hear some stories. I'm sure there's more stories I don't hear about. And that can happen a a system of any scale. So it could be even a small residential lithium battery system is going to cost you know, upwards of $15,000. So it's not an insignificant investment for anyone. And if you're talking about a commercial or larger scale system, you know, it could be millions of dollars. And that battery bank could be destroyed really quickly if you haven't designed the system right. And, you know, I've seen several systems where because of incompatibilities in the equipment and improper programming, the system either never worked or the equipment was destroyed really rapidly. And I mean, honestly, it's, it's a huge risk that people take when they're using equipment and designing systems with that equipment that they don't know enough about. And so I think one of the things that's helpful about PV303 is that we haven't, we're not going to talk about every piece of equipment on the market, but we're going to give you the background on what you need to look for to make sure that you're choosing the right equipment and that you ask the right questions when a new manufacturer comes to town and they've got the best deal on batteries or an inverter, you know, even if it's the cheapest cost per watt or per watt hour, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good investment. And so I think giving our students the background to be able to ask the right questions is going to save them a lot of time and energy and they don't have to always recreate the wheel when they're doing system design. So learning who to trust and what questions to ask is really critical for battery-based systems in particular. Because that does come up a lot. I mean, people are like, hey, you know, this class costs hundreds of dollars or your certificate program costs me thousands of dollars. And so how much are you going to lose by not getting properly educated, especially if you're a small business owner, you're trying to sell these systems to clients. I mean, in the long run, you could probably be losing tens of thousands, if not hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars versus, you know, investing in training so you don't screw stuff yeah. up so much. Yeah. I mean, easily, you know, I, I hear horror stories all the time. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, it's, it's not only about the, the companies themselves losing money if something goes wrong. It's just, it's just such an ethical thing too, that people are properly trained. I mean, if you're a, a homeowner and you're investing maybe tens of thousands of dollars in a PV system or one that has batteries, it's it's so hard for those people to really know who's qualified and who isn't. And it's 
it's really sad to see people who spend all this money, they get excited about it, and then their systems don't work. And maybe the contractor's, you know, long gone. And so it's just, in general, just like if, if we want to see the solar industry or the solar plus storage industry succeed long term, people have to know what they're doing. Like they have to do good quality work. We can't have systems failing. And so I don't know, I'm just a huge proponent of training for for a lot of different reasons. But you know, the ethics of it being one of them. The value that you get within our learning environments isn't just the knowledge that's being transferred from our curriculum through the instructor to the student. But it's like those like those personal stories where they're not just telling you how they did it, but the fact that like the ethical way they carried themselves as a solar professional. You know, I just say that like the the thing that has always struck me about SEI and has given me respect for SEI is that everyone involved with the organization really does care. It's not just that they're smart and they're knowledgeable. It's like they really care about the industry. They care about things like best practices. It's not just about selling the system and walking away with the money. It's about doing it right. And people are all committed to the SEI vision of a world powered by renewable energy. Um, so when we when we select instructors, it's not just about what they know or how long they've been in the industry, but it's really trying to find that cultural m- match um, of people who care and who can communicate well with students, communicate effectively with students, and who can really like work together to to teach and and, and update curriculum and everything. So, that, yeah, I'd say the the culture of SEI is is very important, and that really shows in the in the team. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode from Solar Energy International. For more information about technical training in the solar energy field, visit us at www.solarenergy.org.